This is a best of edition of Sandy Rios in the Morning on AFR Talk. It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? (laughs) I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. I'm sorry. I realize that's not funny, but it really does. It's like a, we're like we're living in some sort of a really bad movie. That's Jeff Zients, the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator. We're getting ready for a winter of severe illness and death. And for those of you who are unvaccinated and who are overwhelming the hospitals, well, it could be funny, except we know uh, that they're as serious as death about separating people, about shaming, and about punishing, whether it means losing your jobs. Uh, you know, some people are wishing the unvaccinated dead. They're being very open about it now. And uh, the president, of course, is stoking the flames of that. It's actually getting quite dangerous. And he's going to speak to us tonight. He's going to encourage and unite the American people, encourage them during this very difficult time of this new variant that's taking the world by storm. Well, or maybe not, because I actually remember yesterday we played this clip, and Adam, if you have it, let's remind you, this is what Joe Biden said. Just I guess this is the talking point of the White House, the winter of severe illness and death. Let's listen to our president say it before Jeff Sines got to it. Let's listen. Increase. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. For themselves, their families, and the hospital, they'll soon overwhelm. And the hospitals, they so it's going to be, it's your fault, you unvaccinated people, that the hospitals are overwhelmed and it's going to happen. It's inevitable. And it will be a winter of severe illness and death. They've said that repeatedly. The problem is the Omicron variant is not kind of turning out the way they had hoped. I'm just telling you, they hope it because uh, it gives them control and they love them some control. And so, but the Omicron variant so far in the entire world, Remember, it, uh, the South, it broke out in South Africa and just spread like wildfire. And the head of the health department there said last week or, what, 10 days ago when this first came to the fore, this new variant, uh, she said it's really much, it's mild. And uh, it's really not, people are just getting past it quickly and it's just very mild and it hasn't killed anyone in South Africa. And then the World Health Organization came out last week saying, well, so far, no deaths worldwide from the Omicron variant, even as it spread wildly across the world. And then it came to the United States, uh, and there were no deaths here, even though they reported just a few days ago it was in 30 states, probably in all 50 now. Uh, and so, but there had been no deaths. Now, I, Great Britain stood stepped up to the plate at the end of last week, maybe the beginning of this week, and they found someone who had died of Omicron. They couldn't identify the person, and they couldn't tell you anything about their case. But yes, 
Of course, there was one death in Great Britain from the Omicron vi- uh, variant. They assured us one death of someone who we don't know anything about. So we think maybe, really? Come on now. So now Houston has come forward just in time for this speech tonight. Houston is reporting what is believed to be the first U.S. death from Omicron variant of COVID-19. They describe him as an unvaccinated man in his 50s with underlying health conditions, is believed to have been the first American to die from the Omicron variant. So even the headline says, is believed to have been, we don't know. Uh, He has uh, underlying health conditions. They don't give very many details, but they're sure. I mean, they want you to think they're sure that the Omicron variant variant is uh, the one responsible for this, just in time for the speech tonight. The president is going to come out with words of assurance. Oh, by the way, sorry, South Africa's daily COVID cases have fallen for the third day in a row. And uh, hospital admissions have dropped by 20% in a week as the Omicron wave fades in the epicenter. That's in the place where it all started. It's fading quickly. And, you know, two, well, let's say they're both, let's say that's both true. So there'd be one death in Great Britain and one death in Houston. So now we must really shut down everything, right? Well, uh, that's what you're going to hear tonight when President uh, Biden speaks to us. Jen Psaki was asked, uh, what would happen tonight? Will she, you know, will he take questions? And I think you should hear how she responded. This is clip 10. Hey. Might, might we hear directly from the president about what happened yesterday? I, I think you will hear from him on how we're going to get the agenda done. Will he take questions? Though? He takes questions multiple times a week. So depends on what you ask. Depends on what you ask. What happened? So it depends on what you ask. He he might take questions tonight, but it depends on what you ask. If you ask too many hard questions about COVID, uh, probably he won't answer them because it doesn't make any sense what he's saying. Dr. Fauci, after these airline chiefs were grilled by the Senate committee, I played yesterday, Senator Cruz grilling especially the United Air, Airlines CEO, but the, uh, the CEO of Southwest Airlines and the, uh, the CEO of American Airlines both said publicly in different ways that masks on airplanes don't make any difference because they put these sophisticated filtering units, uh, devices in the planes, and that an airplane is probably the safest place in the world, even safer than a hospital in terms of taking in these germs. But Dr. Fauci quickly ran to the mic and this is what he had to say, clip six. I, I also wanted to ask you about what the airline executive said this week about masks on airplanes. They, uh, several of the, of the top, you know, the, the CEOs of the top airlines said that on an airplane, you are actually safer uh, than you are uh, in an ICU. The, the protection with the filters, filtration system they have, they were suggesting that they're really isn't much of a need for a mask on an airplane. Are we going to get to the point where we won't have to wear masks on airplanes? I don't think so. I think when you're dealing with a closed space, even though the filtration is good, that you want to go that extra step when you have people. You know, you get a flight from Washington to San Francisco. It's a well over a five-hour flight. Even though you have a good filtration system, I still believe that masks are a prudent thing to do and we should be doing it. Yes, of course, we should forever, forever and ever. Amen. Um, we should be wearing masks on planes, maybe three masks on planes. I'm not sure because these filtration devices, you know, they don't mean anything. Uh, but, of course, the science, the, the, the airline executives weren't saying that just as their opinion. There are studies to show that that's actually true. Uh, nevertheless, it's great control. When you make people mind on an airplane, 
make them stay seated, make them mask their little children. Uh, it's just amazing. But I think the worm is turning. I do. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, I think the people are getting sick of this. We played that clip for you yesterday of the Florida guy who uh, put a piece of underwear on his face as his mask. He's been doing that. And he was kicked off a United Airlines flight because he was covered, fully covered, but they, they weren't, that wasn't the right covering for them. And so uh, at least half a dozen or a dozen people followed him off the plane. And that, that has to happen. That's what we have to do is like, we're not, no. No, we are not, you know, subjecting ourselves to your dictatorial rule. And so if you missed the show yesterday, you might want to listen at least to that enough to hear uh, Ted Cruz's uh, grilling of the CEO of United Airlines and all the, the ways he is mistreating his own employees with his COVID mandates. It's just, it's really disgusting. And so on we go with that. Now, um, Dr. Uh, Bhaktacharya, who was, remember that uh, Francis Collins, the head of the NIH, uh, exchanged emails with Fauci where he said, that we need to stop this uh, Baring, Great Barrington Declaration where these uh, three uh, really famous doctors and highly credentialed doctors said that natural immunity is the best course and that we're hurting the world by shutting down like this, and they make their case at great length. Well, last night, and then, so Collins goes after him with a vengeance and says it should be a devastating takedown, and we see it in the email because of a of a, of a lawsuit that was filed, we saw the email. So Dr. Bhattacharya was on television last night, and he responded to the things that Dr. Collins and uh, said about him and his cohorts at the Great Barrington Declaration. Let's listen to clip four. No, he, he, he straight up lied. He basically said that we wanted the virus to spread a rip through the population. And Dr. Fauci said the same thing. We, we, it was a let it rip strategy. Anyone that reads the Great Barrington Declaration, you can go look online. There's not one, that phrase does not appear in it because the central idea of the Great Barrington Declaration is focused protection of the vulnerable. There's a thousandfold difference in the risk of severe outcomes. Uh, we know the elderly and old people and, uh, and certain people with chronic diseases have high risk of bad outcomes if they get infected. So we sh the, the Great Barrington Declaration said, let's focus our attention on protecting those people. And at the same time, the lockdowns were harming so many other people, uh, especially kids who were locked out of school, especially poor kids. Um, and so we, we argued for opening, opening up society for the, the rest of us while protecting the vulnerable. Uh, I, what I was expecting was a, a, an honest discussion. Instead, what we got was lies from the head of the NIH. Uh, it, was, it was absolutely shocking. Um, you know, the, the, the problem here is that uh, Dr. Collins sits on top of over $40 billion worth of money that go to other scientists to fund research. Uh, when he says he wants a, a, a devastating takedown, well, he has the resources to go find people to do that. And you can see from the strategy that they use, they, they essentially went to friendly press, spread their propaganda and lies about the, the Great Barrington Declaration in order to not engage with the ideas in it. Uh, they didn't actually take down its premises. If they thought that it was impossible to protect the vulnerable, well, they should have said that. Uh, what, they, what they actually had, uh, the major problem was that it, the Great Barrington Declaration correctly pointed out the enormous collateral harms from, from, uh, from the lockdown policies we followed. Every single person listening to this knows those harms intimately. The isolation, people lost their businesses, people lost uh, their, their uh, you know, go, going to the doctor for cancer screening. Uh, in poor countries, tens of millions of people are starving as a consequence of the lockdown. Uh, they didn't want to address those harms. And so instead, they engaged a propaganda campaign. 
That's exactly what they did. Again, that was a Jay Bhaktacharya. And uh, all of these guys that started this great Barrington Declaration are so incredibly credentialed. Um, uh, you know, Harvard, Oxford, uh, uh, tremendous experience with epidemiology and all kinds of things related to the COVID outbreak. And so uh, it's just amazing what they're trying to do, trying to destroy uh, these brave men. And they can. It's like he just said, they can destroy him because Dr. Collins is sitting on top of all of this research money. And that's why science... Science has become become so corrupt because scientists and doctors have felt the need to follow the party line in order to get this funding. It's just it's a sad story. But let me just say this: I want to tell you one more story, and then I want to just comment on what I think is happening here. Uh, The Supreme Court, by the way, now has asked the Biden administration to personally respond to all of the challenges on this OSHA mandate, and there are plenty of them, but the, uh, you know, the administration has just been silent. You know, they don't have to respond. Nobody makes them respond. But Brett Kavanaugh is the one who is the judge. It's the Sixth Circuit, which is the one that um, uh, reinstated the mandate just last, uh, a couple of days ago, over the weekend. And so Brett Kavanaugh has been assigned to handle this temporarily. They, uh, the Supreme Court, they have been uh, summoned to make a decision on this. So Brett is ordering the Biden administration to respond to all these suits and challenges to the mandate uh, before December the 30th. And so uh, I think that's a good sign, and I'm actually, I'm actually encouraged about that. I don't want to you know, get our hopes up too much, uh, but I am encouraged that he's taking that kind of a step to hold someone accountable for this. And the other thing, I, I have to say to you, in spite of what you're seeing, and I, I know what you're listening to if you're listening to Fox or others, Yes, we have a lot of bad news. The NHL is suspending their season. Uh, there, people are caving all over the place. New York is instating an internment camp. Uh, for co- They're proposing this. The, legisl- the state uh, legislature has passed this. I don't know if both houses have, but they're trying to establish these COVID camps and voluntarily put pe- putting people in that are a risk, quote, end quote, uh, to health. And so it's uh, the administration uh, and the left is pushing so hard. But I have to tell you, I think one of the reasons they're pushing so hard and one of the reasons they're coming out tonight is because they are really panicking. I think they're at great peril. I also think, though, we're at a precipice still. I'm not saying that they can't prevail, but I can tell you that they can also not prevail. So stay with it. Hang in there. Spread the word with people that you know. Try to convince them gently about what the truth is on these things. Remember, fact-checked by nature. This is Sandy Rios, and we'll be right back with something really interesting. Don't go away. You're listening to a best-of edition of Sandy Rios in the Morning. Merry Christmas from American Family Radio and Sandy Rios in the Morning. This is a best-of edition of Sandy Rios in the Morning on AFR Talk. Everybody. I love this country, this very hour in history. Those freedoms are at stake. I have to say this. I feel as a country and as a people, we've taken these freedoms for granted for far too long.
downtown. So we're going to the Washington Monument now and uh, we're meeting everybody at, at uh, 8 o'clock. Behind me is the Washington Monument. So, David Summerall here with David Snow and we just wanted to show all you people the Washington Monument right back There's an estimated over 3 million people here today. So despite what the media tells you, boots on ground definitely say something different. There is a sea of nothing but red, white, and blue patriots and Trump. And it was amazing. We could see the president talk. We are now walking down the inaugural path to the Capitol building. 3 million plus people. God bless America, patriots. All right, Sandy Rios with you. That was the voice of Ashley Babbitt. I saw her for the first time in a video, uh, and uh, it was captured by my next guest, and she was all happy and chatting and on her way to show her support for the country. And little did she know that within an hour, maybe an hour and a half, she would be dead. Uh, she was the one that was shot uh, by the uh, Capitol, policeman, uh, Capitol Hill policeman. And so uh, it's been almost a year since uh, J the famous January 6th, and as we approach that date, I guarantee you the left has a lot in store for us. Uh, certainly the J6 committee is rabidly going after everyone. They're just subpoenaing, uh, you know, all kinds of people, certainly friends of mine, uh, trying to, to get all of their text messages, phone companies are cooperating, handing over things. And regular citizens, as we have said repeatedly, have been harassed. You know, Bank of America has turned over their banking records uh, to spot, you know, who spent money, where they were on that day. Just citizens going to the United States Capitol to, to support their president on the day that the electoral votes were to be presented in Congress and uh, going to hear their president speak because they felt that the uh, there was something wrong on election night. I certainly felt there was something wrong on election night, and many of you did, and many of you actually went You've been harassed by the FBI. Some people have been incarcerated now for almost a year in the D.C. jail. It is the most disgusting story uh, and embarrassing and heartrending story that really I feel like I've told at this mic this year, and it continues to go on. And so it has to stop. As we come up on the anniversary, I am determined that we will not forget uh, the, the prisoners that are still held in jail and that we will give our strong defense to our friends and neighbors, and for me, it's people in D.C. who are being harassed and harangued and bankrupted uh, by uh, an out-of-control left. It has to stop. So um, the, there's a new video. It's not so new. I guess it's new to me, a video that is out that I watched last night. It's called Writing History. Writing History. It's only 37 minutes long, and it was made by a filmmaker who is a citizen journalist, uh, he was there at the Capitol. They captured all kinds of moments that I've heard about. I've seen video of it, but in new ways that I that really shed light on what happened at the Capitol that night. And I've asked the the filmmaker to join us this morning and talk about uh, what what he's doing and what he saw. David Summerall, 
Uh, again, as a citizen journalist, he is the documentary filmmaker of writing history. Uh, but he's also the founder of what's called Stop Hate. He founded it in 1992, Stop Hate. And so, David, good morning, first of all, and thanks for joining me. Good morning, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a real privilege to be on your show. It really well, is. Thank, thank you. Uh, all right, so you started Stop Hate back in 1992, and so people, you know, a lot of people don't know about this. So what, what was that all about, what was going on, and what was your purpose in starting such a thing? Well, starting a family was my, my intention, and, and we saw the L.A. riots happening at, at all around us, all the media spin on on our first little video piece that somebody captured, and the media learned how to use half of the clip and really create a firestorm of, of controversy and emotion. And, and we decided to try to help raise awareness. You know, Stop Hate is an acronym. Start turning off prejudice, heal attitudes through education. Everyone was prejudging each other. We have attitude problems. We need to communicate, and, and it seemed like the the best solution at the time. We've just tried to, you know, make people aware that the media is trying to lie to us about a lot of things and create division. They use race and sex and religion and abortion, anything that they can politicize, and that's really our mission to bring truth and uh, maybe not to the whole media, but at least to our audience, so they can have an opportunity to see what's really going on. So that was the beginning for the uh, of Stop uh, stop Hate for you, but then you guys have covered several events. Kind of give us an idea of other places you've been and things that you've captured. Um, over the last few years in particular, we've done a lot with Demand Free Speech. It's a movement that was was set out to, to battle the censorship issues that mainly conservatives at the time, you know, have been suffering from you know, it's a terrible thing. The censorship, the shadow banning, you can't use Uber, Lyft, or, you know, you just you just get banned from everything. It's the cancel culture. And so we got heavily involved in, in rallies around the country trying to promote free speech. And, of course, the media shuts that down. That's a Martin Luther King-style event that they don't want the public to know that there is, you know, a, a portion of our population that's open to everybody. And, and, and Stop Hate sounds so much like a left thing, but it came out so much earlier than the rest of the left stop hate. Um, we're not involved with one particular, you know, victim of hate or type of hate. We believe hate is hate. Everybody's experienced. Nobody likes it. And uh, we're just trying to get people not to use it as a, as a first response. It's not a left issue. It's an everybody issue. And it seems to me more than ever that, that, conservatives care more about that issue than the left because we're not trying to focus on one kind of hate and say mine is more special than yours it's hate it's still something that we need to you know in the, in the hard thing sandy it's not illegal and, and there is a place for it but we've started you know using it just as a automated response it's the popular thing to do or whatever and it's just wrong as a society, as a people, we're not here for that, and it doesn't add to the family. You know, it just takes away. So, well, so it's very destructive. Stuff, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very destructive. All right, now, so, we so, know. David, you did, you, uh-huh. you guys, uh, though, have been at a lot of other places. Like, as my understanding, were you in the Northwest during the uh, the Antifa riots? Have you picked up some of that stuff? Black Lives Matter. Have you been into any of those uh, events? Well, they usually come to our events. So we, we did do a oh, big okay. event in 
Yeah, we did a big event in D.C. a couple of years ago, and I can promise you there was more security at our event at Freedom Plaza with 1,200 Antifa and about 400 of us than there was at the Capitol on January 6th. There was more security for our rally than there was at the Capitol. And and so that that's kind of what happened with the Capitol. I didn't want to go. Uh, I knew that it would be um, a controversial time, to say the least. And everyone on my team, you know, we've dealt with Antifa. We've dealt with, you know, the militant side of people trying to break into our events, literally, and hurt our people. They threatened us with acid bombs back when everyone said they were still just an idea. We were literally fighting them in the street. Uh, so that's the way the Proud Boys came into the scene. That's the way the Oath Keepers and Three Percenters to protect conservatives. And, uh, of course, that's going to be vilified by the left. And that leads us to, you know, January 6th. I didn't want to go. Uh, three days before, my friends all said, you really kind of have to. This is a culmination of everything we've been doing the last couple of years. Um, I did vote for Trump twice. I've never worn a Trump shirt or hat. I don't worship the man. I could care less. But I thought he was the best president for the job at the time and did all he could. You know, I get all that. But I didn't go to D.C. to fight for Trump. I went to D.C. to document with my team what was happening and to have our voices heard about the election. Okay, and, so, uh, so David, let me ask you something, because uh, there's so many questions I have for you. Uh, just a little backdrop here. You heard me say, and I think I said this to you when we talked yesterday, a lot of people who listen to this show were there, lots of them. And um, um, and so they they put it on the line. They really did. And I, I would have been there myself if uh, we hadn't had some health problems here. So uh, so I had an expectation. I I lived and worked in D.C. for years, and I uh, you know I was uh, I've seen Antifa there on the streets and Black Lives Matter, and it's such a dangerous place. I really expected there to be trouble for sure. But I expected mm-hmm. it to be from the presence of Antifa and Black Lives Matter and fights and disruptions. Uh, were you expecting that also, based on your experience? Yes, absolutely. And I think everyone else was, too. There's plenty of social media evidence saying that they were coming. They were dressing up like Trump supporters. They were wearing their hats backwards. They were going to infiltrate the group. They were going to make everything happen. And it's exactly what happened. I mean, they telegraphed their moves. They made their plan, and they carried through with it. We have really good video of them attacking the barriers at two different positions at the same time. This is a typical Antifa move, and it's just a battle move. You try to attack in two different places so that they don't have the reinforcements in one of the places. So you can start a break, and that's what they did with the initial fence break at the very first of the day. So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting detail that that people need to know, but I think the most important one in your viewers' or your listeners that went will definitely identify with this. This is our Tiananmen Square. We went to protest. The police attacked the people, killed several people, and put many, many people in jail or house arrest. There are charges on 700-plus people for covering the government's crimes against the people. We were literally attacked. We didn't go to riot, and it's really sad. Our words are so important. And we have people that are on our team that still say they don't agree with the riot. I don't know one person on our team that went to riot. No one did. We would have been prepared 
we went to protest. We made a stand. And while we were chanting USA, the police threw grenades into the crowd. That is a flashpoint. The police attacked the people. It wasn't even declared a riot until after the police attacked the people. And people don't know these facts. They really think we went to shake things up and to go inside. And there was never a plan for that. The FBI has found zero evidence of That's anyone's. That's true. Absolutely true. Let's go inside. There's mm-hmm. zero charges of insurrection. There were zero guns found in the Capitol. Nobody carried weapons. We weren't there to pull anybody out. We didn't, we didn't have any intention like that. This is all a huge, sad setup at the hand of this administration. All right. Let me ask you some questions. We just have three minutes before our next break. But let me just ask you some quick questions, things that just really have been confusing. You, I've seen several views of uh, you guys, you, all, everybody, everybody that was there kind of standing peacefully around, and then the police starting to shoot firebombs into the crowd. Yeah. I've seen several scenes of it, but yours was particularly graphic. I saw a man who had you show a man who actually had a hole in his face with his tooth yeah. showing. Yeah, explain yeah. what what happened there. Not just to him, so, but in general, what happened? In general, the crowd went to the top of the steps at the first, at the last level outside. We're chanting. They made a declaration. This is where we make our stand. We're not BLM. We're not Antifa. This is where we redress our grievances. And they start sounding you know, political, you know, saying USA, talking the way you're supposed to. It sounded like, you know, political words like that. It was really beautiful. And uh, that there was no confrontation, no fight, no push, no shove. And, and the police throw these hand grenades, these flashbang concussion grenades into the crowd. They, they, it hit close enough to a man, Kevin Greeson, gave him a heart attack. And Lauren Witzke that ran for Senate, her friend gave him CPR until her mouth bled. I mean, I've got a witness that says they would not let his body out of the crowd for 40 minutes. They, they didn't render aid. They didn't get this man any help. They caused his heart attack. And then the coroner says... Well, he just died of heart disease. This is the first murder of the day. And, yes. and people were told it was a heart attack. Yep, Dave, that's right. Absolutely true. Or that he had health problems or whatever. And so you show in the video, you actually show him being carried out. As I say, you have so many things on this video. And by the way, it's called Writing History. Writing History. You can find it on Rumble. Um, and so, uh, because, you know, YouTube couldn't dare show something like this. But the thing about the video that, that, that uh, David has done is that he, he chronicles the day, gives a timeline, and there's sometimes two or three screens up at once. Uh, and, it's, it's, so it's, and it's only 37 minutes. And I think it would be something that e- each of you would, would like to, would, it's not pleasant to watch, but it's important to watch. Uh, and it's raw footage, so there's language and all kinds of stuff. But we'll be right back. There's so much more to say. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. You're listening to a best of edition of Sandy Rios in the morning. This is a best of edition of Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Merry Christmas from American Family Radio and Sandy Rios in the morning. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Everybody. Every valley. Every valley. 
Sandy Reels back with you. I, I want to remind you that's that phrase from Isaiah, every valley shall be exalted and every hill shall be made plain. In other words, the things will be evened out. There will be justice. And that includes what we're talking about on January the 6th. The God of all justice will bring justice. I don't know if we're going to see it in our lifetime with this administration. I don't know if they're going to prevail or if we're going to prevail. I just don't know. I know that we're going to keep fighting. But uh, God will bring justice at some point, and that just encourages my heart, and we do have a Savior. He's born this season. That's why we're celebrating. So I just want to put this in perspective because that's the eternal perspective on what we're talking about today. Ashley Babbitt was shot by a Capitol Hill policeman, and not long before she was shot and killed on that day, on January the 6th, our guest, David Summerall, Uh, captured her on video. We played it earlier just for a short minute, not quite even a minute. Uh, They're walking to the Capitol. This is Ashley Babbitt, and she's beautiful, by the way, beautiful and vivacious, clip two. We are walking to the Capitol in a mob. There's an estimated over 3 million people here today. So despite what the media tells you, boots on ground definitely say something different. There is a sea of nothing but red, white, and blue patriots and Trump. And it was amazing to get to see the president talk. We are now walking down the inaugural path to the Capitol building. Three million plus people. God bless America, patriots. God bless America, patriots. That's Ashley Babbitt. And uh, captured on camera, I want to say some practical things before I ask David a question about that. And uh, first of all, you can see this video, which has a lot of unique things in it. I I caught a lot of them. I hope that we can get to most, if not all of them, with David in a minute. But if you go to Rumble and you put in writing history, you can see the video. Writing, writing history, R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, writing history. Uh, also, uh, the website for a Stop Hate is stophate.com, and uh, you can actually still get to it. So that's a good thing, stophate.com. And for those of you that want to know what the fate of prisoners, I don't think we're going to get to that today. There's so much of an update on that. It's patriotmail.com is a great source, patriotmail.com, to correspond with them. Uh, this is Christmas. And they need to hear from you. They're going through such a terrible time. It's not getting any easier. And so PatriotMail.com. All right, uh, David, again, back to you. Uh, was that you filming Ashley Babbitt in that moment? No, it was not actually me filming her. I wish it was. I would have loved to have met her before. Uh, we procured some some video from the Internet to to give those touches to the video. Most of it's our original raw video, but we did. We have one of the biggest collections, I think. Um, we started early on because, as you know, my employee is still on house arrest for absolutely just setting foot in an open door in the Capitol and walking right back out. It's been almost a year, um, and he but can't yeah. leave the house. I mean, this is this is house arrest. People think, well, at least he's not in prison, and that's true. And, and, I, and we'll touch on that at another point on the conditions, but... You know, th- this is the travesty. This is where we are. These these people are innocent of any crimes, and they're being vilified by this government. And let me drop in. Be, let me just quickly drop in. You're talking about Daniel Goodwin, and I have to say yeah. that his mother, Marie, is a listener, has been for years of this show, before we ever dreamed, either of us, that this would be happening. And uh, he's the one you mentioned who's in the J- J6. Uh, the, he's been incarcerated in the D.C. jail under horrible conditions, and it's put the family in such jeopardy financially. And you can help them by donor box, going to donorbox.org, 
donorbox.org slash Daniel slash dash in dash the dash lions dash den. And we'll put that on our Facebook page. God hope that they don't take this off, but uh, so put that on there. And um, so there you go. So, uh, David, uh, Ashley Babbitt then was shot. You guys have also incredible footage of the shooting. It's very graphic. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, did you got any? Of you, did you capture any of that? Was that collection of other sources? No, that's Taylor Hanson. He's on our team as well. He was he was right next to Ashley when she was shot. He was the one that that tried to find the wound on her scarf, you know, through her scarf, and he was right next to her. We've become good friends with her family. And listen, justice for Ashley is justice for all. We need justice for her and her family, just like. Roseanne Boylan, they said, was a drug overdose. She was beaten to death. Kevin Greeson, they said, was a heart attack. It was a hand grenade. We're still trying to get details on Benjamin Phillip. There was another man. The police shoved off the wall you saw in the video, shattered his legs. We thought he was dead. He survived, but he's he's ruined. I mean, these Capitol Police, the, and there's video coming out, Sandy. People really need to pay attention for the next few days. There's three hours video from the tunnel. And you're going to get to see these Capitol Police punching women in the face and shooting them with pepper spray and pulling them by the hair. Women that were in the tunnel in the wrong place at the wrong time that got pushed or sucked in there by the crowd. The police are just having a heyday. And when people see this level of abuse, it's going to make them wonder if these are even actually police. That is Well, it was a combination. You know, it was a combination of uh, policemen from uh, the D.C., and I can tell you that D.C. is like a foreign country. I can tell you from living there such a long time ago, I, uh, it's like entering a third world country. And it's, I, I always feel, I feel like I'm at great threat. And so, yeah. so a lot of their people were there, and you just don't know who did what. And that's what we're trying to sort out. I, I, you, I, I want to mention Ray Epps. Now, Ray Epps is the guy that uh, I wish we had time to play his, the clip of him inciting. By, he's telling people they have to go to the Capitol. He's doing it on January 5th with like this yeah. loud voice bullhorn. He's doing it on the 6th. You have the best video of that moment where he goes up and whispers into this guy with a red cap on, the Trump hat on, and then suddenly yeah. the barrier goes down. Explain, describe that. So let me explain. So Ryan Sampson is the guy in the red hat, turns his head around. He goes up to the fence and, and challenges the policeman. The policeman rears back like he's going to punch Ryan, and that made Ryan even matter. So he takes his coat off, turns his head around, throws it on the ground, whatever, turns around, and Ray Epps whispers in his ear, and then Ryan goes back to the gate, re-engages. The people next to him start shaking. They all start shaking. That's where the gate goes down. We don't know what Ray Epps said. He might have said, hey, calm down. This is not the time yet. He could have said anything. People always jump to the conclusion that he's inciting, but we really don't know. He's also at the front steps talking with police up at the, at the top plaza, and then he goes back to the crowd and said, these steps, this is where we stop for now. It's conflicting whether he's a good guy, bad guy, or just wrong place, wrong time, too visible. And he is a former Oath Keeper, but but he doesn't have the record of like a violent person or anything like that. Now, there's a lot of controversy, but it's not up to us to judge. It's the courts, and let's get these things to trial. Everyone needs their day. Ray Epps needs to be questioned, certainly, but we can't immediately jump in. And there's plenty. Listen, he was there the day before. He was there with John Sullivan. He was all over the pictures. He's with, he's with Antifa. John was is an yes. Antifa, Black Lives Matter guy. John yeah. Sullivan is the guy that was filming with Ashley Babbitt, and he's the black guy from Antifa. He was inciting. He's a militant. We know these things. He's not sitting in jail. You know, neither is Ray Epps, which, like I said, if people aren't guilty, they don't need to be. We need to find out. 
but like the people that have been there for a year, there is no trial. They keep kicking the can down the road. We need more discovery. Sit in there and suffer. Let us torture you. The judges do not see what's going on. I listened to one of the the trials yesterday, and they would not release this guy. They said, no, he's a danger to society, and he's violent. And that's not true. These people defended themselves and tried to help save other people, especially people like Roseanne Boylan. A lot of people are sitting in jail right now for trying to defend her body from the police. And, and that's a horrible thing. People need to know the truth. Yeah. All right. I want to ask you some questions. I don't want us to rush, but it needs to be a little quick. Uh, I've always, I was always so um, one scene from many videos is uh, someone climbing up and breaking out the window on the outside of the Capitol. And I, you hear yeah. people in one video saying Antifa, you know, or don't, you know, don't do that. Uh-huh. Stop. So that's not like Trump supporters. What do we do? We know anything about who that was? Yes, we actually do. There, there have been a lot of people that broke windows that have been identified. We've put their names out in social media. You can find those posts with their names and pictures. Um, there's a lot of identification that we've tried to do to people. That the, the FBI is not. They're not investigating. They're building a case. Uh, prime example: I gave them the names of the people on my team and their phone numbers who witnessed murders that day. They have never been contacted. The FBI doesn't want to hear the stories about the murders. They're just trying to make a big list for their political points. So, no, that's that's exactly where we are. That's exactly where we are. So we have a name. We have a name, but you don't know anything about, you know, what the affiliation was. But, uh, you know, the thing of it is we saw for months, we saw Antifa uh, primarily break out windows in Seattle and Portland sure. and other Minneapolis. It's part of the, it's their modus operandi. They just do this. Well, and so when people not, in the crowd, when people in the crowd are pulling them down, when people in the crowd are saying, "Then Antifa," when you've got half of that crowd chanting Antifa, Antifa, because there's two men trying to break in a window and there's fifty thousand people watching. And none of those 50,000 people are trying to do what those two men are doing. It's almost a little too obvious for for anybody, but and yet it's not. They, they try to lump us all with their bad actors and agitators. Yes, and I think of one point that I've made before, but I make it again. It's really strange that Antifa didn't have a presence that day that we don't know. Of. I mean, I think they did. Uh, and that Listen, can't be quantified we, because the FBI is not looking into it. Go ahead. Well. We have 26-minute video of nothing but Antifa from that day. When Christopher Ray came out and said he had no evidence of Antifa, we put out a 26-minute video, flags, clothing, action. We've got people changing clothes into Trump gear under the bushes. We've got them changing clothes inside the Capitol. We've got a lot of suspicious things. You can't rule out Antifa if that's what they said they were going to do. And then you have people doing it. You kind of have to do the math, and I guess the FBI is not very good with math. No, well, they aren't right now. They're totally untrustworthy. So there's a number of citizen journalists involved who have great video from that day. Uh, We had Elijah Schaefer on just a couple of weeks ago, David, and it's fascinating to to hear him talk about that. You do have in your video, you have circled, you circle people's faces. It isn't always clear why you do that, but I thought that I saw that some of them were identified as Antifa. Was that a question, or a, a, were you sure they were? Yes. Well, in the video, Taylor Hansen, which was with Elijah Schaefer that day, for a lot, they got a lot of footage together. Um, he, he actually recognizes one photographer woman from Portland. Uh, Taylor has worked the BLM Antifa riots up north, and and. Uh, 
he recognized this lady and said, hey, I recognize you. You're Antifa. She just happened to be standing next to Ryan Samsel, the guy at the front gate with the hat with Ray Epps. It seems like a lot, you know, and, and, and yet here's Ryan Samsel walked up and said two words to Proud Boys Joe Biggs before the gate went down, and that pulled Biggs into the whole conspiracy of who did what. So there's so much going on. It's all being used to criminalize the innocent, and, and that's where the truth, when it comes out, it should really infuriate people as to, you know, not just one side of our government, even at this point, there's a lot of people on both sides that want to see this so they can take the gun, so they can declare the white supremacy, so they can crack down on this one party, because it's the Christians. It's the people of faith. It's the people that they don't agree with. And that's, you know, there were over six million people there. Six million people. Has anyone told you that? No, I I heard three is what I'd heard last. Six million. Well, and listen, there were photographs from a rooftop. Let's just put it that way. And they counted the size of the crowd based by the mile. They had the two main streets toward the Capitol full and all the side streets. They they estimated over six million people. And that's the things that the public needs to know of how many people went to voice their opinion about their election being stolen. David, we're out of time. I can't believe it. Uh, Hopefully, maybe you and I can talk again on the anniversary. But uh, David Summerall, a citizen journalist, and you can, if you go to Rumble, you can watch this video. Look for writing history. But be prepared. It's rough. It's a rough video. There's language and all kinds of stuff. So just, you know, it's not Sunday school material, but it is important history. And also, you can go to patriotmail.com to do follow-ups with the prisoners, to write to them, get it to, to get updates. Uh, and you can find Stop Hate. Just go stophate.com online and find out all the other things that um, they're involved in. And also, if you want to help Daniel, um, a good one in particular, donorbox.org slash Daniel in the lion's den. David, thanks so much. I, I really appreciate you joining me this morning and appreciate your story. God bless your patriotism. And uh, we'll talk soon. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Mm-hmm.